to you know go full circle in that sense. Um, that's I, I I think Marshawn is just one of the best sports philosophers in his own way that we've seen in a long, long time. You know, and and he's having fun with it. I, I think when he approached it with like with the home, I'm just here not to be fined. I wish other athletes would be like take that example, Kyrie. Um, you know what I mean? Like you can tell Kyrie fell asleep during media class. At <laughs> Camp. That, that's my issue with him is he fell asleep in media class and wants to be the smartest guy in the room. He desperately wants to be the smartest guy in the room. Who doesn't, right? But I think sometimes in showing out what he knows, he kind of trips over himself. He's a smart – he's a – I don't think enough is talked about the stuff that he's done – for the community. I, when I used to work for Borough President Ruben Diaz Jr., he was one of the first, his foundation was one of the first foundations to give out PPP, you know, to, you know, PPEs to the community, masks, lotion. He was giving out turkeys and food for, for like the pantries that were running out of food. Mm. And I think in, you know, obviously with media, if it bleeds, it leads, sex sells. Yeah, and, and when you have a guy tripping over himself constantly, that becomes a story as opposed to this is what he's done in the community. I mean, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, this is a guy and it's not just one thing, the big elephant in the room. It's a series of events with him. This is a guy who called in sick to work to join a zoom political fundraiser. Like, mm -hmm. you know, he literally called out sick. Oh, my knee's not feeling good. I can't play today to go do a zoom for somebody else to use his brand for somebody else mm. you know if any one of us does that calling sick if i call in sick and i'm all of a sudden like you know I'm, I'm i want to go see monday night raw i'm in the front row and then my boss is see me right there <laughs> so hey, what's my boss gonna think right right and that you know what we can do an entire podcast on the artist formerly known as Kyrie andrew irving aka world be flat but welcome to the podcast where basketball and life are one. It is the open run all the way live featuring the firm. My friends and colleagues here on the podcast, I'm going to allow them. Uh, well, I guess I should introduce myself. My name is Will Strickland. That would be me, of course. Um, the open run with Will Strickland is brought to you by the fine folks at Press. We are press.net. I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter. Will Strickland and the number one on IG and across all streaming platforms, including especially now at anchor.fm. Now that we got the housekeeping out of the way on that side, I want to allow me to reintroduce my guests because they introduced themselves, or I guess I introduced them to one another. And Jason, you didn't really get an opportunity to like do your thing because we were trying to get ready for the show. We're going to do that now. So with no further ado, as we always do, ladies first. The 2022 Full Court 21 champion from Tokyo, the land of the rising sun, the chip. What's up, Rio? Hey. <laughs> so let everybody know who you are and what you're doing right now. Okay. My name is Rio. I'm from Japan. Right now, I'm in college. I play for Old College ACAC Conference. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> in Alberta, doing her thing and came out. Played in full court 21 Canada's um, first all-Canadian championship and all-Canadian final uh, back in July. Was it August? It was August. 
and uh, really had a good time. As I said before we got on, you know, we had the NBA, uh, NBA TV Canada following us and chattering us the whole weekend. She's a superstar on TV now. So, you know, I'm so glad to have her on the podcast. And, of course, a very special guest from B-Ball Rant on Facebook, <laughs> Jay Ray. The man was like, yo, I'm rocking. I'm with you. So, Jason, welcome to the podcast, man. Talk to him. Let him know where you are, where you're from, and what you're doing right now. Man, greetings and salutations to everyone. Uh, I'm honored, man. I'm sincerely honored and privileged just to be here. Um, also, Rio, congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment, you know, um, doing the, the tournament, doing your thing. That's incredible. No doubt. Uh, so kudos to you. Also, kudos to uh, that Hunter Hunter poster. Uh, <laughs> your, your background. I, yeah. I, I enjoy anime as well. So yeah. That's what's up. Um, but yeah, I'm, my name is Jason, uh, Jason Ray. Um, that mid-range monster is really just a, a, a description of myself I've been using for a long time now, just for my own personal basketball game. Um, from the mid-range, I am a monster. And I mean, It, it I sounds have... sweet. We're, gonna, we're <laughs> probably going to end up testing that out one day soon. But where, where are you in, this, in the States right now? So currently, um, I'm smack dab in the heart in the central uh, of Indianapolis, Indiana, right smack dab in the middle. Naptown. Yeah. So I've been here for a few years now. Uh, mm. Originally from Chicago. Okay. Um, what? West side, north side, south side. South side, sir. Oh, south side. Okay. <laughs> south side. My bad. My bad. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, so, oh. yeah, so go ahead, sir. No, go ahead. Do your thing. Do your thing. Yeah, just, you know, uh, meeting you, getting a chance to speak with you, um, you know, in the on Facebook chat rooms, uh, you know, the, the groups. Um, I think we have a really similar uh, points of views uh, on some things. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy I can be here with you all today. Well, glad to have you, man. I appreciate you coming out. And, of course, Honduran Heat. Like, if, if he was ever a wrestler, <laughs> my man Ed Molina, the truth, his perspectives are so fresh and so inviting. And I think that when people understand the humor and the references that are being made and something, like, I get Ed. Like, I gravitate to Ed. I get him. I think we get each other. And I love the Honduran heat he brings on. He doesn't like for me to talk bad about Teofimo Lopez. Um, but... <laughs> Every once in a while, when he, when he when he shows his ass a little bit, I have to say something. So, welcome, my man Ed Molina. Talk to him, Ed. Uh, let him know what you're what you're doing, man. Sure. Uh, my name is Ed Molina. Born and raised in Brooklyn. Had I lived for a little bit in Boston, so got a soft spot, even though I get knocked for it. Uh, boy, let's see. I'm a former journalist. I covered boxing for the Boston Herald. I managed the sports desk for Latin Post, where I got to cover. Man, from pro wrestling to boxing to MMA, I even got to do some NASCAR, some rugby. Um, yeah, I like, I don't, you know, I don't like to embrace debate. I like to have conversations. I like 100%. nuance. I don't, I don't, I don't like weaponization of debate. You know, debate mm -hmm. is only as smart as the people that are doing it. So. Talk to them. Talk to them. <laughs> hey, look. 
Look, you know, in the attention economy, he yells the loudest, gets the most money. Shouts out oh, to that, and, and that's screaming right? and Yeah, no, and, and Pete Jr. And to their credit, you know, um, as someone who transitioned into communications, I think that uh, unfortunately, dumb takes is what sells, and these folks are excellent in marketing their brand of stupidity. Uh, for mm. better or for worse. I, I was just talking to a friend about Stephen A. Smith covering mixed martial arts. And when he got, when Joe Rogan kind of went at him and he took it all personal, but it, it's like if Joe Rogan were to talk NBA, you know, that's not his jam. Like mm. Stephen A that, you know, so there's lanes to this. Unfortunately, we live in a era where people don't respect lanes. So no doubt. And I think, you know, um, when you spend a lot of time pathfinding instead of trailblazing, that happens too. Since we're talking about lanes, I got bars and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Once again, I want to thank you guys all for being here. And we are in the midst of the holiday season, almost being over 2023 is looking at us right now. And I want to kind of wrap up the Christmas games and talk about like the best Christmas, a thing, like whether it be the NBA, but I really want to ask, like, do you guys have a good, I call it Happy Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festival, Diwali Eid. So everyone gets all their love somewhere in there, right? Um, and how was your holiday? Like, did you get it? Did you get nice gifts? Did you get nice gifts? If you celebrate or observe it all, real? You can start. Oh yeah, I got to see my family. They flew all the way from Japan. Mm. So oh, that's that was, dope. That was the best gift I've got this year. Hmm, that's yeah. dope. Okay. And what, what was the best? Did you give a gift? Mm -hmm. Yes. What was the best gift you gave? The best gift? Well, I'm still, I, I haven't gave gifts to some people. So I'm thinking about giving them some shoes. You okay. Know, <laughs> nice kicks. You know. Well, I, I might have some kicks coming your way to, uh, soon as well. But you got really? like a little shoes. You got little shoes, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. So. I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Jay, what up? Yo, my holiday season um, has been awful. I really? mean, yeah, it's been very bad. Uh, sorry to say. Um, so I live in an apartment downtown Indy, and I think the Friday before Christmas, um, my heat went out. Mm. And this was like during the coldest stretch that we had all year. You know, it was 35 below. Um, my heat went out, uh, a couple pipes burst, there was flooding, uh, it was a mess. A it sounded like a country song. <laughs> <laughs> was funny, we, we joke about that, yeah, I, hey. I could definitely write the next country jam off that. No doubt, no um, doubt. However, a, a wonderful part was, uh, me and my girlfriend, we did celebrate, uh, by going to see her family. Right. And, um... The best gifts that we got for her family this year was everyone got these little baskets. Mm -hmm. um, and with each basket, we gave like real personal things, you know, nothing mm -hmm. too grand, um, but everything was well thought out, really meaningful, um, you know, some really heartfelt cards as well. You mm -hmm. know, just little, little things that sometimes, you know, make a big difference. Okay. And and what's the I guess the best gifts you received was like 
surviving that cold? Look, man. <laughs> Being from Chicago, um, right. and you know that lake effect snow is no joke. So I'm no stranger, you know, to being cold. But uh, the best gift I got was just spending time with people who love you and appreciate no your presence and your company and conversation. So it was no good. Doubt. And of course, you know, to to melt all that cold, my man Honduran Heat at Molina. What's up, man? Talk to me about your holiday season so far. It's been great. Um, spent it with my niece and nephew. Um, we're oof, going quick. Uh, two, what is it? Three, no, two and a half and one. Uh, as far as gift that I gave, uh, gave my niece, who's just starting to walk this, uh, it's like a princess plane tricycle. <laughs> she just gravitated towards and started right. just, She's pushing it like 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 it's her Maserati. It's got right. it's got a lot of bling. It's a princess plane. Right. Um, as far as gifts that I got, man, I've been this year, I've I've always been spoiled in some capacity. Like I've been blessed that I've had family that that spoiled me. Best gift I got was actually the smallest, most like unimportant thing, but it was cool to me. Mm. Uh my sister got me a pint of Baseball Crunch Baskin Robin ice cream, which is <laughs> damn near impossible to find right. in New York City. Now, Baseball Crunch, it used to be seasonal for Baskin Robin, and it's like a uh, grape jelly swirl with cashews and I think vanilla, some other stuff, right? <laughs> and as kids, every Friday, my dad would treat us to Baskin Robins. I always got the Baseball Crunch, and my sister found some in New Jersey. And she was like, this is for you. Mm. And it was like the dopest thing ever. Cause like, this thing is like crack to me. You know what I mean? Like right, it's right. just <laughs> impossible to find. And man, I dogged that so quick. <laughs> I believe it, man. Well, I'm gonna tell you that the, the best gift that, that I received this holiday right now, uh, and I wanna say that to you guys uh, personally, is your presence. Cause your presence is my presence. And I appreciate you for being a part of what we're doing here with the open run, Will Strickland. And the gift that keeps on giving, NBA holiday games, including when we talk about Christmas games, you know, I don't know if you watch all the games. I got to see most of the games and most parts of it. I mean, it was Christmas, so you sit down, you eat every once in a while. Did you guys catch the, the games at all? Any of the games? Yeah, some of, yeah, of course some of them. Okay. So when I think about like some of my favorite memories of Christmas games, and this year they were pretty good. I think the the Boston game told a whole lot. The Boston-Milwaukee game told me a whole lot about how tough it will be in the East for Boston to get back, but also for Milwaukee to kind of uh, regain that crown because they're tr tr still trying to integrate Chris Middleton back into the fold. But I think the best game – of the night, and this is just my personal opinion, is um, the Denver-Phoenix game and the way it ended up. You know, having Nikola Jermaine Jokic, that's J-apostrophe-M-A-Y-N-E, uh, Jokic have that triple-double, like 41, was it 41 points, 15 rebounds, 15 yeah. assists. He's a center, and we're definitely going to talk about them a little bit more later uh, in the podcast, but 
did were there some standout moments or standout um games that you watched this weekend or during the holiday? And we can start with Jay. So to me, um I think I I agree with you as far as the Phoenix Denver game. Um it was just incredible. Um mm. on, on both ends to see um Jokic do what he's been doing for some years now. Mm. Um and it's good to see Jamal Murray back. I, I, mm-hmm. They definitely missed him for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I can appreciate how Phoenix, you know, battled even without Devin Booker, who got injured, mm-hmm. you know, during the course of that game. And I think campaign was out also. Yeah, he's been out. Yeah, pretty much all, almost yeah. the whole season. So, right. yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a great, great, showing um for, for both teams both mm. you know toughness chris paul still old but doing his thing <laughs> um I, I love because i'm in that point of my life now when you uh when you a veteran out here with these young bucks and you you still doing what you do best no doubt um, so i i definitely love that also i gotta say um i think a, a great moment in that boston milwaukee game was that dunk Tatum had on Giannis. Um, Giannis is, you know, largely looked at as the best complete player right now in the game. Um, but Boston, man, they are not afraid. And that dunk that, yeah, absolutely. And that dunk Tatum had on Giannis was like, you may be the best in some people's minds, but I'm here too. No doubt. And he's definitely making a case for, MVP this season, my man Jason Christopher Tatum Sr. making it happen. Rio, did you catch any of the games? And if so, what stood out to you? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't really watched NBA games. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. I'm so not mad I've at been, that. I've been busy watching Christmas movie like Grinch. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> so. I'm not mad at that. Look, that's your time. You do what you want to do with it. Yeah. But, but for sure. So, you know, um, do you have any like favorite moments from Chris? Do you remember any Christmas games that like stood out to you in the past? Maybe uniforms. Like, I'm a big uniforms guy. Mm-hmm. The Christmas uniforms. You got the new Christmas shoes, so they would debut shoes, and the uniforms that you know stood out. But maybe there's something um, in there for you. Like, what stands out to you? Uh. I'm be honest. I can't remember. Like I can't remember anything that stood out for me. <laughs> I guess nothing. I'd say. You know, I, that's fair too. That's fair too. Look, I, I'll tell you this much: the 2016 holiday jerseys with the cursive off the in the front, mm-hmm. the burgundy Cavaliers, and that 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 royal kind of Hawaiian blue that the Warriors wore, and that game, arguably the greatest Christmas game ever. You know, I try not to do that too much because. I can look back and go, oh, yeah, you know, that game between the Knicks and the Sixers back in the 80, whatever, was <laughs> nice, too. But the sheer excitement and the level of play and all the, like, Hall of Famers, they're on the court simultaneously, entertaining us on Christmas Day, the 2016, and then you get the 2016 finals where, you know, coming back from a 3-1 lead, it never happened in the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. All that was – that was one of the greatest Christmas and, and holiday gifts ever – the game and then the culmination of the season with the Cavaliers overcoming the Warriors 3-1 lead. So, Ed, you, 
what did you see on Christmas this year and what stood out to you, man? Uh, before I get to that, to your point, how genius is the NBA of putting a Christmas slate and just putting it on steroids? Like, you know, the equivalent of that would be Boxing Day with the Premier League in soccer, where you have mm. every team playing or like pretty much that day uh, on Boxing Day on the 26th. Uh, unfortunately, because the Nets weren't on Christmas Day, I said <laughs> they were on Boxing Day. I was right. more focused on that. But what stood out to me about the Christmas slate this year, the one game I wanted to watch was actually the Grizzlies against uh, the Warriors mm. in that much like most 20-year-olds, doesn't matter if it's Gen Zers or Gen Xers or Gen Yers, much like any 20, most 20-year-olds, 20 there was a lot of mouth going on in Memphis, <laughs> a lot of yapping about mm -hmm. the new guard and the new, you know, new Coke this and flavor of the new flavor of the month that and and considering that this the the Warriors are playing without Curry and um, Wiggins and Wiggins yep that's correct considering they were they weren't playing at their fullest um you know Golden State came out and was like we ain't done we ain't rolling over to these young cats maybe they're not having the season that we're used to seeing with Golden State but that was what you would call an FU game to put those kids back in their in, in their lane in a lot of ways, just to remind them is that we ain't going nowhere. And right. so that was a very telling game to me. That was the one game I was fascinated by, where I was like, I got I want to sit down and watch this one. Mm. And I, I was a little it wasn't the best Christmas slate. I thought it was kind of boring some of the games, unfortunately. Really? It's my personal opinion. Um, but that's the one game where it was like it, statements were going to be made in my opinion because you knew you know memphis has golden state circled on their calendar every time now they've been talking about it since the end of the playoffs last year when job was yeah. talking about hey we don't run from no smoke we run up the chimney mm -hmm. like you have to deal with that but there's a, a case like you said of you know alligator mouth with hummingbird ass on that day because you know the warriors <laughs> showed that they were still the champions and mm -hmm. that it takes more than just talent to win the NBA. Like you can have on paper the best players in the world, but if you can't make that talent work together, when you have the guys like it's funny about Golden State. The guys who come off the bench for Golden State, when they play in Golden State, they're like superstars. You send them anywhere else. I'm like, why did you do what you did in Golden State? <laughs> it's it's it, but when you have a culture, when you have an identity, when you have a standard you have to keep, and you play that standard, even if you're a backups. Like, you're like, okay, I know in order for me to stay on this roster, these are the things I need to do. Mm -hmm. And all those guys fall in line. Not every team has a culture. Not every team has an identity like that. And we, you, you mentioned briefly, and I'm going to give Ed his stats, because his team, the Brooklyn Nets, no longer, um, are on a 10-game losing strike right now. So salute to you and Jacques Vaughn. I can't stand Jacques Vaughn. I don't know why. Wow. It's a whole other conversation. But, <laughs> um. And I want to dismiss the other two games that went on that day, sure. Philadelphia and New York. New York still has – you talk about learning how to win. The New York Knicks, who I've been calling a closet full of left shoes for a long time because they didn't know – and they have three left-handed starters. People think I have something against left-handed people. I don't. You know, I like some left-handed people. But name a team with three left-handed starters that won anything. I can't. And they're so – they're kind of, as the kids use the word, mid. They're like good, okay to be like a middle of the, the, the road playoff team, a, 
a four to seven seed, like somewhere in there, but not good enough to overcome that and play beyond the second round of the playoffs. And that's frustrating because it's New York City. But the Philadelphia 76ers who have a guy who is not being considered as the MVP in the league, right? And Joel Hansen B, the Colonel's son, first in the league in scoring on a team with the second best defense in the league, but not in the conversations. So I think when people say it is boring, we have to look at the, the context. Even if he has James Harden and all those guys, he's losing Tyrese Maxey or lost Tyrese Maxey. He's still playing that level. We have to give him consideration. But because they've been so disappointed in the playoffs for so long, that game, the first game, wasn't exciting. I, I get I get what you're saying, but I think the way they came back was exciting. And then, of course, you had the star power of Luka Lamar, that's with two R's, Doncic, against the hashtag he should be named with L.A. and Dallas. And can can I interrupt off, for one? Can I interrupt got, for one second? The one yeah. the, I, That was another thing I wanted to add about highlight of this game and how much the Christmas slate means to some of the players. I know – I know players hate working because it's work for them. At the end of the day, mm. they're working for our entertainment, but it's work. And they hate working on Christmas Day. Who wants to work on Christmas Day? But something Lucas said afterwards, which is the coolness of these Christmas slate. My family in Serbia got to see me play because it was like an afternoon. It just time zone. It just matched up with, uh, or at least, sorry, Slo- uh, Slo- wherever, Slovenia. Slo- Slovenia. 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 Sorry, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I my geography no, shot good. right now. But he was excited that his family and his fans got to see him in that part of the world, which mm. we'll, I know, I'm sure we'll get to that eventually about the interna- internationalization of the game. Mm. And I thought that was a cool little thing. Maybe not the game was exciting to your point, like, you know, sorry to interrupt, but I think that saying that is is why basketball is so huge outside of the United States. Mm. Little things like that. He was genuinely excited to play on Christmas Day in a time period, like time zone wise, where his friends and families could see him play. I think that's dope. You know, like little things like that, Um, which again goes to the brilliance of the marketing of the NBA. 100%. And and when you talk about the internationalization of the game, Rio, I don't know from a technology standpoint, how your family who, who came all the way from Japan to see you, do they ever get to see you play like online, some sort of streaming application, yes. or whatever the case might be? Yes, we have our online streaming, and my parents never miss a game. Yeah, they no, it's always, dope. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really grateful for that. They've been supporting my basketball career wherever I'm at. They are watching back home, and that's good. I mean, do they have like? People come over and watch and, and see you play. And I know the time differences are crazy sometimes, mm-hmm, you know, is. with the games or whatever. But that's it. They support you. I think it goes to Ed's point about, like, how important this game is beyond our general scope in North America. I think sometimes we have tunnel vision when mm-hmm. it comes to who loves this game. And I call this this thing of ours like it's the mob thing. But it really is the beautiful game. Shout out to the late, great Palin. Um, who passed, um, what, just late yesterday, as a matter of fact. Yesterday. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, and, and we'll talk about him a little bit later as well, but I think it's great that your parents support you, and, and, and it goes to the point that Ed was making about, you know, Luca being very excited about playing on Christmas Day and his family getting to see and experiencing it vicariously through him in this play, which has been stellar this year. But, you know, when we're talking about international players, the international invasion, what they call it, the British invasion in the 60s, where all these guys are coming from, you know, the UK. That's the Beatles. That's the Beatles. We're talking about the Rock British invasion 
and and you have it in the metal bunch of artists too though right yeah and and how their invasion when they call it the invasion in the first place it's like this rock and roll and they'll tell you their influences from rolling stones to like cream and eric clapton those guys came from the muddy waters and the the howling wolves and all this robert johnson all the blues of, of you know the deep south in chicago we we'll talk about chicago jason um and then chess brothers and stuff like that but this the same thing that's happening in the nba and it's always been an international game i mean the first olympic games um were played in berlin um during the the nazi reign and the third reich um the first olympic games were played uh in 1936 as a matter of fact and so the internationalization of the game you know was something that has legs and always has leg had legs but to the degree from a professional standpoint that in the 80s it started to become more prevalent as the eastern you know the eastern block started to get broken up the, the wall fell down and you started to see a lot of slavic players and russian players and players from eastern europe come, coming over to the states and playing basketball you know and people make it seem as though this is some new thing that because the faces of the league are dominating who are dominating are from Eastern Europe or from somewhere like the, the, the Greek Nigerian or Nigerian Greek, however you want to put it, uh, Giannis. So you see the last four MVPs have yeah. been guys from uh, a guy from Greece and a guy from, from, um, where, where is uh, Jokic from uh, Serbia, right? Serbia, yep. And the fact that he was the 41st pick in his draft class in 2014, the greatest second-round pick in NBA history, period, yeah. with two MVPs. And people say, oh, they want to create a narrative. No, the narrative was always there. The game has changed. You cannot be some lumbering goon who walks up and down the floor and just stands under the basket and posts up. That You can't do that anymore. The biggest guy, one of the biggest guys in the league, doesn't do that anymore. Joel Embiid is one of the biggest guys in the league. He can shoot threes proficiently, fairly, free throws, can post you up, can shoot the mid range. Like he plays, he's a three level scorer. The game has changed, but there's this like, as I said earlier, the xenophobia about these international players coming over and taking over the American game. It's not an American game; it's a, you know, a Canadian invented the game. I was just about to say that a Canadian invented. But you, but you know what? Even the word invasion, right? Right. There's a negative connotation to it. They are taking from ours. They're taking from us as opposed to a melting pot, as opposed mm. to just immigration. That's That happens in every industry. Look, that if you, you try to recruit. Have... Sorry, go ahead. No, but if you can play, it don't matter where you're from. Like I told Rio, I'm going to take all her lunch money when she stepped on the court against me. Right. She don't want that work. <laughs> so if, if Luca comes over and he says, look, it's easier to score in the NBA than it is in Eurobasket, and he's figured the game out already, that, that, that the number 41 pick in the league figured out the game already, that his, it fits his skill set, which is I can do everything on the court, which is what a basketball player is supposed to be able to do. Now, people say, oh, those guys, they don't play defense. You have to play both sides of the ball. There are a lot of MVPs who have been lacking defensively. I am talking to you, James Edward Harden Jr., <laughs> so to be clear 
you have to have enough about you. And, and value versus best is something that we talk about all the time. But when you look at these young guys coming up, what's the, what's separating them from the North American players? And I'll include the Canadians who have the most most players in the NBA they've ever had, as well as Americans. Um, and soon, soon, shouts out to the G League and the Mexico City Capitanes. We might have a Mexican player who's a high, like a highly visible player in the NBA. So what do you guys think about like this this vitriol against in in particular the white and European players? Because I hear it a lot, and I don't get. It. I'm like, if you can play, you can play. Why do you care so much? Jay, you want to go first? Jay, you want or- Jay, knock it out, man. What do you feel? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, first, let me say this. Shout out to the first international player I've seen with my eyes um, playing basketball was Adrivas Sabonis. He 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 was the first guy I remember seeing. Like, who is this guy? How do you pronounce his last name? I can't say or his first name. And seeing how skilled he was, you know, especially for his size, right? So uh, I just had to throw that name out there. You know, um, if you had seen him before he injured his Achilles, like he was arguably the best big man in the world. He killed David Robinson and Patrick Ewing. Like he killed them because he could go outside. He could do things they couldn't do. They weren't doing it. Right. So and it's funny how Ewing and both Robinson and Ewing actually developed a, a decent outside game and a jump shot yep. because of it. <laughs> yeah, so. per- precisely. So that's that's number one. Um, ultimately, I think what it boils down to the difference between, you know, American born, American bred and internationally bred and internationally born is the mentality, their attitude. I hear Giannis, I hear Luca, um, they say things like, like what you said on Christmas day, my family got to see me play and um, Giannis being extremely humble. He's a super humble superstar opposed to American guys who are superstars. They speak as if I'm supposed to be here and I'm owed this. Mm. And so my confidence is, you know, that which I hate to say it, but it's privileged. Mm. It's like I belong here. It's my privilege to be here. I'm an American. This is my sport. This is what I do. And guys from overseas are like, you know what? They have a confidence, but there's also a a humble gratitude and Mm -hmm. appreciation for them playing in the NBA. No doubt. I I really respect that. Ed, thoughts, please. So I think, one, I think it's a political climate. It's three. Bear with me. I'll try to make it quick. One, <laughs> it's the political climate. You know, we we literally had a president whose opening presentation to the public to become president was to get these rapists and murderers out of here in reference to Latinos, meaning, but he named them all Mexicans. They're all Mexicans. Right. For one, it's a political climate that it's now acceptable to be xenophobic. I've, I've you know, this thing you said about the NBA about, you know, that it's a conspiracy. It's an Alex Jones conspiracy to get more white players in. 
Nah, you know, it. no, no, it's just the political, even the most liberal person I've heard say that. And it's like, nah, son, that's that's a tinge of xenophobia there. Like, you might, mm-hmm. might want to turn that down. Not So I think, one, it's a political climate. Two, blame your favorite basketball player, Michael Jordan. Blame Larry Bird. Blame Magic Johnson. Blame Charles Barkley. Do I need to go on where I'm going with this? No, keep, please, go. go blame Carl Malone. Blame all your favorites from the 80s. Blame all your favorites from the 90s. The reason there is an explosion of Lucas and Jokic and Embiid is because they were like the Beatles who went across the pond to Barcelona and showed out the world, look at this cool game that's selling a lot of sneakers and making a lot of money. It put Michael Jordan on a global level where it introduced the game into areas where now we get fans like Rio. We get, you know, her balling out in Canada. But it starts with there. Sure, we had Detlef Shrimp. We had Rick Smits. Um, we had Sabonis, who was dope. I used to love Detlef That's Shrimp. That's like the Petro. Um, Draz- I was just about to say, Drazen Petrovic. Um, but it was coming in uh, Tony Kukoc. It was coming in dribs and drabs. Mm. And then we get, you know, and, and I'll go one better. That dream team, typical American exceptionalism, because this is what it is. 100%. It's pampered American exceptionalism. Typical American exceptionalism, Jordan, petty man that he is, and Pippen went out of their way to try to crap on, uh, on Tony Kukoc during those He's going to be their teammate. Yes. And Welcome I'm, to the league, kid. Can, can so, I offer you? Wait, yeah, I sure, offer go right ahead. Warning, no, no, go right ahead. As a warning, uh, it may be blasphemous for you to speak ill of St. Michael Jeffrey of Wilmington. So I want you to be careful. You speak that name, sir. I'm I'm just saying that the people who are complaining about the Europeanization of basketball are the same people that are Michael Jordan fans. Right. That's all I'm saying. That's that's all I'm saying. David Stern as well. Republicans buy sneakers too. Let's not remember. So do Europeans. That's why the dream team went out there. So all right, that's two of your points. And I I mean I want to interrupt you and make sure you knew about you cannot disrespect St. Michael Jeffrey of Wilmington. <laughs> but your third point was, because I think that's a great point about the dream team and how that changed. And my third, my, my third point, why guys like Jokic and guys like um, Luca are balling out is because they're taking, they're playing under similar, let me phrase it right, a similar European soccer model of we're going to go to these academies Forget college, because the idea, if you're playing, someone once asked me, well, why don't we build up uh, NCAA soccer in the U.S.? I'll tell you why. Because if you're playing NCAA soccer, you're not playing pro soccer at a major level ever. Forget Europe. You might, you'll go to MLS, you'll go to League of MX, you're not playing in Europe with the Power 5 leagues out there. You're, it's, you're not playing Champions League. So they, a guy like Luca, he was playing against grown men at the age of 14 for Real Madrid, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grown men. So he was already a kid that was a phenom, say like a Messi, say like a Ronaldo. You find them young, and then you feed them into the system. And then it, it's either sink or swim. You're either going to play hard against guys like the Gasol brothers and make your money, maybe go to the NBA, or you're not. And so Luca already came battle-tested, winning, mm-hmm. what is it, uh, EuroLeague MVP, mm-hmm. uh, La Liga MVP. MVP. Um, he had so many accolades by the time he even hit the draft. 
he was better trained and better prepared than your one and done kids. 100%. Look at how long it took Mark. Uh, what is it? Marcus Fultz? Marquise Fultz? Mar uh, Markel Fultz. Yeah. yeah, Markel Fultz. Sorry. To develop. He's what? In year six in Orlando, it's now, it's just now that you're starting to see the best of him. I had a mm. Knicks fan, uh, I had a, a friend of mine, Knicks fan, complaining about RJ Barrett. I'm like, yo, my guy, you got to understand, he would be a senior in college right now. And you're asking him to be, I don't know what you're asking him to be, but you're, mm. you you got to understand that he's still a kid developing skill set. These one and done kids operate They're equating his check, though. They're equating his check to his skill level. So because he got that, he got re-upped, you're expected because you got this $100 million to perform at a $100 million level. Right. right. But that's, that's where a, a lot of that comes from. But that's a byproduct of the salary cap. And that's what, why the salary cap sucked in those sports. Because the next, the Knicks, I'm sorry, we're in a situation where it's like, well, if I don't match this guy out, I'm going to have angry fans. I'm going to have angry or, ticket holders. Or he's going to go away. Just, just because he got max money. Just a lot of these players, just because they got max money doesn't mean they're max players. It's just the market is so artificial. Billionaires using socialist business practice <laughs> to protect their profit margin. Want they're to like, we're going to cap everybody's salary. You don't hear about capping revenue or profit unless right. it's the WNBA, and then everybody's an expert. I'm sorry. Well, I had to throw that in there. You already know. You already know. No one talks about, oh, salary caps. No, salary caps are artificial ways of messing up the market for the players. It's like, so you so you as an owner may be forced in a situation to give a guy max money to a guy who's not ready to be max money player or, or max money talent. But you no have doubt. to appease, you know, you got to appease the savages at the gates. No doubt. Well, let me you know? ask but, you. But yeah, so it's like, I think there's a soccer model that's being used in Europe. Where it's like, nah, these kids, yo, if you can play at Real Madrid at the age of 16, you're playing for Real Madrid at the age of 16. 100%. There is no, there is no one and done. There is no, you know, sugarcoating. I don't even think there's well, high school if, hoops. You know what? If, if you, if I want to do a deep dive and I won't, but I'm going to put it out there for, for maybe a future conversation. And Jalen Rose talked about this too, but we always talk about like, like the major revenue generating sports in the NCAA are majority black. So it's there's this inherent, insipid way of thinking by those who are in charge that these young people of modest to no means will not be able to handle making this amount of money. But that's not for you to decide in a capital society, right? So you talked about the, the the capitalist with the socialist model of capping your, your, your salary. The same thing would happen when they when they change the student and they created the term in 1959, student athlete. Yep. So they wouldn't have to pay workers comp. Well, that tells you automatically they're workers. But someone who's in college right now, uh, in conversation, on the open run, all the way live with the firm, Rio, Ed, Jay, uh, Rio as a, a woman of color. Playing in Alberta, do you ever feel any like, and you you don't have to share this, you don't want to, but I always wonder like, as a woman, it's already bad enough that a lot of people don't think you should be playing the sport in the first place. But as a woman of color in a place that doesn't have a whole lot of color in it, how do you how do you have you ever faced any like issues about why are you playing this game, why are you here, stuff like that? 
um, when you're when you're playing? Um, uh, no, I haven't. That's a good thing, then. Yeah, I'm lucky, Lily. Well, that's what's up. You, it, it is. It's good because I, you know, I see your videos on IG. I see you shining, doing your thing, and you support other people too. And I think that's important. When you know, I when I see that, hey, I like it. I'm check, I'm checking for all of you guys who played in the tournament. Like once we became part of what we were doing with Full Court Twenty One, you became a part of this family. And when we talk family, I think from a basketball standpoint, that's a that's a tie that binds us all. Like this game, when I say this thing of ours, I'm talking about ours. I have a thing with personal pronoun use, like ours. It's not this groups or that groups. There are some people that are exceptional from different groups. In particular, just one young man from Akron, Ohio. I'm not talking about Wardell Stephen Curry II, who's also from Akron, Ohio. I'm not talking about the late, great Nate Thurman, who's also the OG kid from Akron, Ohio. I'm talking about the hashtag, he who shan't be named, celebrating his 38th birthday, still playing at a level he played at 10 years prior which is absurd and we've never seen it before. So I want to give some flowers and hurt some feelings out here because people are, you know, very sensitive as they get their, you know, malicious together to defend against the, the legacy of certain players and, and, and move the goalpost about this young man. But at 38 playing to level he's playing recently, after a loss, I think they, they lost to Miami. He said, look, I don't want to play just for the sake of playing. I'm a winner. And, I mean, that goes without saying. You don't go to 10 finals without being a winner. But people will turn that into, oh, either we want him to go to the finals so they can lose again, or if they don't make the finals, I thought you were supposed to be the best. Like, there's no in-between. He doesn't want to play for the sake of playing. He wants to play to win. And to see him at this level, to see him still commanding the game um, and the way he's done it, what can he do? I, I don't know if anything will come out of this season. I really don't, other than the scoring record, which is going to happen. Um, barring any injury, um, that's going to happen. But when you think about like some of your most memorable moments with – the hashtag he shan't be named. Um, drop a couple for me, you know, as we we toss it up and pour out a little for our brother who ain't here on the podcast. The hashtag he shan't be uh, he who shan't be named. Jason, um, some memories. And I, I know in that town you got some bad memories of of the hashtag doing this thing out there, <clears throat> and in Chicago. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite memories, actually one of my first memories of talking about he who shan't be named um, was in 2003, mm. uh, Christmas Day. It was Cavs versus uh, a Tracy McGrady-led Magic team. Mm. And I remember watching that game, um, and I was just in awe. I'm like, here this kid is, you know, fresh out of high school he puts up like 34 or 35 and of course t-mac you know put up like 41 that game 
Right. So, like, I remember w- watching those guys really battle it out. And, um, you know, going through the years, being from Chicago, uh, when LeBron went to Miami. Pardon? I'm sorry, sir. What? Oh, <laughs> pardon me. Pardon me. Oh, uh, when that when that Akron guy. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> when that Akron guy uh, went to Miami. Man, he that team just bullied my D Rose led Bulls. Man, I mean, I was so impressed because I've seen that Akron guy go up against Tracy McGrady and hold his own. And then years later, I seen him defend MVP Derrick Rose, who at that time was like. I don't want to say the second coming of Jordan for Chicagoans, but mm. I mean, it it felt the buzz was there. Mm. And, you know, being like the most explosive point guard of all time, you know, during his prime. And then him jumping over people. Mm. Who does that? <laughs> Who just mm. jumps over people? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Vince Carter, of course. Uh, right. <laughs> but, you know, and then seeing him guard Tim Duncan in the finals in the post, like in, in my lifetime, I've never seen a, a single individual player literally guard the other team's most explosive, most important player, whether it be a MVP point guard, a super mega star in Tracy McGrady, the greatest power forward of all time in Tim Duncan, you know, just one through five, Mm. six foot three to seven foot tall and guard each player effectively and essentially being the best player on offense and on defense through the entirety of his career. Mm. I've never seen that. I'm not sure this league will ever see that again especially since the emphasis on offense, you know, Mm. going forward. I don't see the game ever going back to say, you know what? Let's score less. Let's shoot less threes. You can't. Chicks love to dig the long ball, don't they, Ed? Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's how baseball came back at this break. So I think you're absolutely right, and I think you hit the the nail on the head, sir, and and I appreciate you sharing that. Rio, um – as someone who who's, you know, you said you didn't watch, you've been watching uh, the Grinch and, and Christmas movies. Is <laughs> Die Hard a Christmas movie? I mean, I'd say yeah. I would too. <laughs> so, Jason, you're not feeling that. It's Bruce Willis, man. That movie's dope. Sorry. Listen, listen. That started the Long Kiss Good Night and Die Hard are Christmas movies. You can't tell me nothing. I'm just saying. It's a Christmas movie, but Rio. Those are great movies, though. <laughs> they movies. are. Um, you know, do you have any memories or like best memories of LeBron? Oh, see, I did it too. Is there like a swear jar we could use? Because <laughs> that's almost like that. Of uh, the hashtag he who shan't be named. <laughs> I don't know. I'm more of like WNBA, so I don't really follow. Like, so give me something. You know what? And it's messed up. Like we don't have other than like Memorial Day weekend and maybe Father's Day weekend. 
Those are the only real holidays during the WNBA season, which starts May 19th this year. Looking forward to the 27th season of the WNBA this year. Um, and shouts out to all the teams. We're going to do a thing with the Atlanta Dream. You guys are going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but okay. So, so you know, if you can't think of any, like, real memories. Ed, do you have any? There was, there was a photo I saw. There's two things for me as far as uh, the ghosts that we're talking about. Uh, two things. This is, I saw a photo on Twitter, and this is when it dawned on me how much of a special specimen this guy is. And it was LeBron James, sorry, um, the ghost that we're talking about, standing next to Joe Thomas, who at the time was the starting left tackle for the Cleveland Browns. We're talking about an all-pro left tackle, supposed to be a horse of a man that can move mountains to protect his quarterback. And LeBron was towering over him. And that was like, oh, you got that proportionality of like, this guy who is about the size of a left tackle, NFL left tackle, has got dribble like that, shots like that. Humans aren't supposed to move like that. No, right. Humans aren't supposed to do what he can do. It, it's, almost, it, it's almost like a comic book. You know what I mean? It's like a comic book. Uh, which tells you just what a freak of nature he is and and why he's still excelling at this age at 38 as most people are on the downside of their career, regardless of sport. I think we're seeing that with Cristiano Ronaldo in a lot of ways because they're similar age. He just, you know, he's cooked. Oh, he wouldn't get that, got that oil money, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I mean, hey, look, the one thing about soccer is there's always going to be an American sports owner, a Russian oligarch, or oil sheiks that you can sucker money out of if you're a brand like CR7. Right. I digress. But I think I think the example is there because they're about the close to the same age and you see the decline of Ronaldo. I don't see, despite the team playing bad, I don't see decline in Braun. Mm. It's, it's not even a, a whip of it right now. Um, I think the other thing is the thing that just, you know, that triggers people so much and it's the decision. I went to graduate school for sports management because I wanted to be a general manager. I wanted to get into that pipeline. The decision is studied and dissected in every way because it was so important to the history of sports business Mm. from player empowerment to what not to do public relations as a rollout, like so many different layers to that, that that you could peel for, for graduate students and actually high school. And, and I've done it when I was a teaching assistant, you know, to high school students and, and just all around. And, you know, everyone talks about the importance of Jordan and the business of Jordan to the business of the NBA. But I think maybe not to the same extent as that guy, as far as that debate that I avoid like the plague. But mm. I think to that, I think LeBron was so important to the idea of player empowerment. Sorry, Sorry, the ghost that we're talking about (laughs) um, is so important to the idea of player empowerment that you're seeing other athletes in other sports take it from Mm. a Tom Brady. He wants to expand his brand. The New England Patriots were not letting him do that. He even gave them, quote unquote, a hometown discount, which I think is the most foolish thing on the planet. Don't ever give your employer a discount. 
get the most that you can maximize your, your, your salary as much as you can while you can, especially in sports where you have a finite window of when you can make that money. Cause once you retire, that money's not going to be the same. It's, you can do all the card shows on the planet. It's not that oil money that Ronaldo's getting. I mean, that's, that's what happens with like pro wrestlers and basketball players. You go Star Trek retired, you know, Captain Kirk is not, you know what I mean? There's cottage <laughs> industry for that where you can maintain right. that steady, you know, but I think he means so much to the idea of player empowerment. And I think that angers people. I think that's part mm. of the reason he angers people so much is because now these players are, are not, they're not acquiescing to the, to the needs and demands of both the fans, fan service, which is very important in sports fan service, but sometimes the masses are asses still, you know, and I think that's what triggers fans as much as um, employers and owners. Mm. Because the idea of, uh, we were just talking earlier about Marshawn Lynch. He's a byproduct of that era of player empowerment, of taking care of his chickens and, you know, taking care of your mentals. And, and because these employers are not going to take care of the athlete. I'm sorry. Right. The fans are not going to take care of Embiid when his knees give out. I know Philly fans are hardcore and everything, but they're not going to let him stay in his, on, your, <laughs> on your couch Right. You know what I'm saying? When if things go sideways for him, so he has to protect his chickens, get the bag, all of that. And I think, I think LeBron is emblematic of that era of player empowerment. You know, I think we saw it with Patrick Mahomes trying to get as much guaranteed money as he could. We saw it with Deshaun Watson, or however you mm. think, whatever happened there, getting more, you know, more control. You're seeing, you're seeing it in pro wrestling. Wrestlers that want to control their own branding, even though in some cases in WWE, the branding is owned by the company. Right. And so I think that to me, and, and this is why people hate talking sports with me because I'm thinking about that stuff. Instead no, of, is, is he better than, like, is he better than Jordan and Kobe? And, 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 and I'm like, oh, right. that's boring. That's boring. That's Go go watch Stephen A for that. I don't right. know. <laughs> you know what? But you bring up a great point because you think about players who transcend their sports and affect these ancillary things um, that are attached to sport, that are adjacent to sport in a way that are important to professional at, um, professional sport, but also with politics and business and culture as well. When you see someone who says, I'm a partner now, I'm not just an employee, treat me as such. And you, I mean, you think about someone like Ali or he, let's let's take a, a, a good, bad example. Floyd Joy Mayweather, who decided at some point I'm going to take take over my take over control and the destiny of my career and my life, put it in my hands, and he he gave up three quarters of a million dollars to Bob Arum to get out of his contract. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, his brand exploded. This guy does not have one commercial endorsement. He's not endorsed by any sneaker companies. It's him. So every dollar he makes. Comes in those 36 minutes, he's in the ring dancing around, and the tens of thousands of hours you never see. Right? That happened with that happens with him because you see him empowering himself. Now you every boxer now has their own promotions company. When you see guys like Kevin Wayne Durant now having his own production company, right? Where before he's talking about let's see these people compete and he's signing this six-year, $126 million contract. 
and OKC, and everybody's asking why the hashtag is doing these one and dones. You know, the two-year deal with the option year, the one and done, to keep the the feet of the GM, uh, the feet to the fire of the GMs and the administrators in these um, corporations. From a kid who, let's be honest, the last two years of high school, he wasn't <laughs> going. He wasn't going, but he was smart. Like again, education is more important than school. He understood the business of it as a sophomore. And he says. Well, they had to move my games out of our high school gym and the University of Akron gym, which holds 6,500 people. Somebody's getting paid. When they asked him if he was going to go to Ohio State, he said, yeah, somebody, they was going to give my mama a lot of money. He was very honest about it. It's not like we don't know money goes that way. But when we talk about impact on, on the game, Sometimes it's off the court that means as much as what you do on the court. And someone who has that kind of impact, um, like he does, is important. But for me, like from a memory standpoint, this consistency, like it's the, the metronome of being able to average 27 points, eight rebounds, and eight assists every year. We take that for granted when you see that his box score is that at age of 38. When you said we might not see anyone else like this again, I mean, we're privileged to have seen it in our lifetimes. And so shout out and salute to the hashtag, he who shan't be named on his 38th birthday. Now, before we get out of here, and, you know, I, I talked about, like, you know, athletes who, you know, transcended sport in that way, Ali, Pele, like, they were like Bob Marley in music. Like, people mm. didn't have, there's nobody in Russia listening to, to reggae like that. Bob Marley was about love. There's a there's an energy around these people, these athletes that transcended the sport that they're in because they stood for something when no one else would. We talk about Ali. We talk about like a teenage uh, Pele who like became a legend. Right. The same thing with this teenager who came in the league already groomed and ready, like you talked about Luca being ready from the academies, the soccer academy standpoint. And I think that we have to pay more attention to the nuance of this thing as we go along. But like I said, before we get out of here, I want to thank each and every one of you guys for coming on this evening. It's been an honor and a privilege. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you all in the new year um, and, and doing some great things, whether we do it here on, on, on the uh, podcast or, you know, I'm, I, I might test the mid range monster. I might come out there and go to um, St. Elmo's, you know, after I cook you, <laughs> you know, oh, I, oh I, I know, I know. And, and Rio, you know, um, we can go to Calgary. We can, we can play anywhere you want to play. I'll play left-handed. I play my eyes closed. No, I, I'm not going to disrespect your game because you got boogie. You got some boogie. I respect that. And then we're just going to slice a pizza around the corner. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm dunking a slice of pizza to my mouth. I ain't, I ain't got no hops. I got no mid-range, no low. I stunk it. I love Love playing hoots, but I stunk. I played like Bill Lambeer, so. All right, so as we go into 2023, I want to know if you guys had some hoops resolutions, like things you want to see improve in basketball, whether it be from a personal standpoint, uh, as someone who's actively playing like Rio, or, you know, guys who are weekend warriors like myself, Jay, or just someone who observes the game like uh, Ed does, you know, and again, shouts out to his Brooklyn Nets on a current, currently on a 10-game losing strike. 
uh, the hottest team in the National Basketball Association. So shouts out to them. Starting to live up to their potential, right? Fine. But from a resolution standpoint, Rio, if you have one or two resolutions for the new year, as it pertains to basketball, whether it be about your career and what you want to do with it, um, or, or you know, someone else, please share. Okay, for resolution for New Year. Okay, I'm thinking after this season, I'm trying to go a pro league. So I have to do so much better than I'm doing right now. I have to put much more effort and, you know, bring up my percentage for shooting, everything. And for other people, uh, when I'm when I'm home, like I practice with Japanese high school kids, and they are so talented, and they are willing to pray for either school in state or a school in Canada. So I'm hopefully I can bring some more high school talented kids to, you know, Canada or America, so they That's can. That's dope. That's yeah. dope. They can. And, and you know, I'm supporting everything you're doing. Like I, like I said, your energy was so necessary. I loved it when you came in the room and like just how you, you know, connected with all the people who were playing and, you know, uh, even before we played, you know, just the, the interaction, you were there and you were active and involved. And I love that. And I appreciate you. Shout out to my man, Bang Lee, <laughs> um, the, the, the Don of playground basketball in japan i love i love bang he's my guy and um so thank you for the for sharing those resolutions and jason if you would please sir some hoops resolutions for 2023 for yourself yes sir first of all um good luck to you rio like sincerely i wish you Mm. all the best luck and fortune uh i hope your dreams do come true sincerely um for myself uh, my nephews are just starting to really love the game. Mm-hmm. Um, two of them made uh, their teams this year for school. And so uh, I would like to think I got something to do with that. Um, <laughs> but okay. uh, one of my resolutions for 23 will be to be more active in the community. Um I have a real heart and a real passion uh, for our youth. Mm. And um, since I love the game of basketball, I'm fairly knowledgeable, I would say. Um, Coaching is definitely on me. Mm. Everyone has told me I would make a wonderful coach. Um, So for myself, I would definitely love to, you know, uh, make steps in that direction. For sure. Well, you you seem like you have the demeanor and the composition to be a good coach because ninety percent of the time it's not even about the X's and O's; it's about you how you deal with the Jimmys and the Joes, <laughs> so, or the Joannes. You could be coaching women's basketball for Absolutely. all we know. So, uh, shout out to you and and good luck with that, man. I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you. And of course, Honduran Heat. Wait, wait. What, oh, you had another? Thing. I'm sorry. I apologize. Sorry. Um. If ever you are in the, not even just the Indiana uh, suburbs, if you are in the Midwest, sir, please let me know so we can get this game going, right? And if you do beat me, 
I won't treat you to uh, Saint Elmo's. Let's go to Fogo the Chow. That's just better. look. I don't even eat mm. meat like that. But here's the best part: like there is no supposition about if you're going to lose. Um, I'm taking all lunch money. I'm taking all lunch money. I'm and I'm way older than you too. Just so you know. Okay. I, I have no issues. You know, I, I'm generally against uh, child abuse and black on black crime, but I'm here for it. You know. Um, I will issue some some warnings uh, and let you know in advance that um, yes, all lunch money will be taken, sir. Okay, I'll I'll make sure to pack some Bengay for you. Uh, do that. Do that. Wait, are they a sponsor? Hold on. Knee wraps. No, no. We're, uh, I'm trying. We're icy flexor. hot. Oh, no, no. flexor. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> icy let me, hot. Let me chill out. My, You're my on that icy hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put some tussin on it. <laughs> <laughs> But no, you know what? I would love for us to play. And, and if I am in the area, for sure, we'll get together. And, you know, when you do lose, I'm not going to text you and, and, and have you taking me nowhere like that. You know, we might go to a nice vegan spot, you know. So we'll, we'll do that. But, my man, I appreciate you so much. Gratitude. And, Gratitude. of course, Mr. Ed Molina, Honduran Heat. Your resolution, sir. Um, One, I want to wish Rio the best. Like, Thank you. you know, if – if he's saying you can ball, if, if Will's saying you can ball, then I know you take my lunch money. So, you know, I, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping to someday be at the Barclays and see you ball out at the Barclays for the New York Liberty. So, um, you know, bad brain style. I'm sending you that positive mental attitude. You know, sending that PMA your way. Um, damn resolutions. One, as far as the NBA culture. I want this debate to forever die, never be resurrected. He who shan't be named versus Republican buy sneakers too. Um, <laughs> I really want that debate to die a horrible, ugly death, or at least go to jail next to Andrew Tate. Just, I just want it out of my life. Word to Greta. <laughs> um, as far as the Nets. Uh, I'm enjoying the silence. And what I mean by that, mm. the Peshmo style, I'm enjoying the silence in that when the things are going, when things are going well for the Nets, Sixers fans, Celtics fans, Knicks fans, KD haters, Kyrie, K Kyrie lovers and haters, Patty Mills stands. Everyone other, has other actually Patty Mills. Stands. I'm a Patty Mills stand from San Antonio, <laughs> although he's a little disappointing. I, well, the problem with Patty Mills, they're asking him to do too much, too much. Right. because of circumstances. But anyway, whoever, all these haters, stay silent. Don't at me when Kyrie does something messed up. Don't talk to me when they go on a three-game losing streak. I'm going to just play Depeche Mode in your face because I'm enjoying the silence. If you have nothing to say to me during a 10-game winning streak, don't say nothing to me until the playoffs. I am not, I'm not going to hear it. And if you're not in the net circle, in the Nets bubble, I don't want to hear it. So um, I, I, that's my resolution is enjoying the silence. And then, uh, yo, lastly, media-wise, um, you know, I, like I said earlier, I don't, I don't want to embrace debate. I want to I wanna have conversations. I'd rather have conversations like this. It can get passionate. It can get animated. It can get loud. We'll maybe even insult each other in playful ways. No but, doubt. you know, I think, I think that 
you know, the, the you know, Stephen A making more money than 99% of the UFC roster and Skip Bayless making more guaranteed money than 90% of NFL players. And, and, you know, there's obviously a big business uh, in embrace debate that's going to continue. And, and the whole point of it is triggering people into posting all that stuff onto your social media to drive more traffic. And I, I, I wish for that to also enjoy a death alongside um you know uh all the other stuff just i just i just want it dead like along with that debate um go 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 share a cell with andrew tate you know i I just i'm just i'm tired of it i i think i think that embrace debate has brought out the worst in sports culture well, just I the mean, worst between them and Barstool Sports. I probably shouldn't say that. I just probably brought some best your way, but no, you're good. I, you're good. I just, I, I just wish death to all of that. And then, yo, just enjoy the game. Like I feel like people watch. I feel I feel like people watch sports. Whether I see it in pro wrestling, I see it in NBA, I see it in soccer. I feel like sometimes people watch sports to be miserable online. Mm. No, just enjoy. Just enjoy the games. There's nothing. Sure, you know, you get mad and not everything's negative. Not everything's got to be hyperbolic. Not everything is, is you know, Henny Penny, the sky's falling. Um, enjoy the games. Binary extremes are killing it. And, you know, I was asked on a radio show not too long ago about that same debate you discussed. And I'm like, if you're saying to me that there's a legitimate debate between a guy who won six times in the finals and never lost, and another guy who lost six times in the finals. How very great must that guy who lost six times be if there's still the real comparison in the conversation? But I don't rate guys where they're still playing, but I do rank you guys as A1 since day one, top shelf individuals, and my resolutions for 2023 for basketball, first and foremost, is to see – like, I, I think I'm going to really second what you were saying, Ed. Like, just enjoy the game. It's not always about sitting down and having your fantasy score stats and being the GM. Like, sometimes it's about watching a game and enjoying the amazing athleticism of players, male, female, or how you gender identify. Play a game we all love. And I'm going to resolve, and I have been resolving, to get into better shape. So that for full court 21 and 2023 is the return of the rifleman. It's all about the release, the rotation, the splash, learn it, live it, love it. I'm coming back. I'm taking all lunch money once again. And if you want some, come get some. So please, guys, let I want to thank you again. Please let everyone know where they can find you on these rough interweb streets, Rio. Um, if you want to start, I'll be. <clears throat> Wait, can I say it again? Yeah. So, like, just where you, you could be found on, on the internet. Um, oh. if people want to reach out and, and check out your page, check out what you're doing basketball wise, whatever the case might be. Okay. Yes. Uh, you can look up my name. My Instagram account should pop up, and you can see. Because uh, past school and the previous school I was in, I had some article I got interviewed on. So you can read if you are interested in, you know, how I decided to come to the state and then how I ended up playing in Canada. So, yeah. That's and if dope. you guys have any questions, really, just 
just well, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I want you to have a great uh, new year and be safe out there and, and have a good time. Thank All you. Right? No, thank you. And Jay, my man, let them know where they can find you. Yo, don't find me. I'll find you. <laughs> I love it. You have a, a, a special set of skills from what I understood. Absolutely. <laughs> I like how you move, my guy. And Ed, talk to him. Sure. I'm at uh, Twitter. I'm at uh, Global Ed 718. Uh, Global ED 718. Um, I also have a podcast that I should do more often than I do. I work and my my co-host work has taken us away, but uh, I, I co-host the Ed and Fuzz Freak Show where we talk all things wrestling. Just and not W not just WWE. We talk WWE, AEW, New Japan, AAA. Um, I'm trying to get into stardom out in uh, uh, Japanese uh, women's wrestling out there. I know IWGP has now got a women's title. Looking forward to Wrestle Kingdom. That's the end. But Ed and Fuzz Freak Show on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we have our Fuzzies year end reviews like Wrestler of the Year, Tag Team of the Year, Match of the Year coming up. So that's the Fuzzy Awards. I think I'm taking that next week. So, um, yeah, and shout out to my dude, Fuzzy Biscuits. What's good, son? No doubt. And uh, I guess until next week and I guess next year, do remember, do what's popular with the population. Make sure you don't get beat off the dribble. And keep listening to the podcast where basketball and life are one. It is the open run with Will Strickland. Shouts out to my man, Rich Kid, who is not here on the podcast today. And maybe he'll be adding the music at the end of it. Until then. Be easy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.